pagan shindig going on over in Rome today, or this weekend, and they're uh, making people saints who never were, never will be, and and uh, carrying on all this stuff. So I thought in honor of the uh, foolishness going on over there, I'd pull this out. This uh, this an oldie, but goodie. It's called a Roman Catholic miracle. A pretty maid, a Protestant, was to a Catholic wed. To love God's precious word, quite early she'd been bred. It sorely grieved her husband's heart that she would not comply and join the mother church of Rome and heretics deny. So day by day he flattered her, but still she saw no good would ever come from bowing to idols made of wood. The mass, the host, the miracles were made but to deceive, and transubstantiation she'd never dare believe. He went to see his clergyman and told him, of his, told him his sad tale. My wife's an unbeliever, sir, you can perhaps prevail. For all your Romish miracles, my wife has strong aversion, but something you might say or do could lead to her conversion. The priest went with the gentleman he thought to gain the prize. He said, I will convert her, sir, and open both her eyes. So when they came into the house, the husband loudly cried, The priest has come to dine with us. He's welcome, she replied. And when at last the meal was o'er, the priest at once began to teach his hostess all about the sinful state of man, the greatness of the Savior's love, which no one can deny, to give himself a sacrifice and for our sins to die. I will return tomorrow, lass, prepare some bread and wine. The sacramental miracle will stop your soul's decline. I'll bake the bread, the lady said. You may, he did reply. And when you've seen this miracle, convinced you'll be, say I. The priest did come as promised. The bread and wine did bless. The lady asked, sir, is it changed? The priest, he answered, yes. Indeed, my lass, this power of mine has changed it into God. So having blessed the bread and wine to eat, they did prepare. The lady said unto the priest, I warn you, please take care. For half an ounce of arsenic was mixed into the batter. But since you have its nature changed, it cannot really matter. The priest was struck real dumb. He looked as pale as death. The bread and wine fell from his hands, and he did gasp for breath. Bring me my horse, the priest did cry. This is a cursed home. The lady said, Ah, no, tis you who shares the curse of Rome. The husband, too, he sat surprised, and not a word did say. At length he spake, My dear, said he, the priest has run away. To gulp such teaching taught as truth, I am not for yet quite able. I'll go with you, and we'll renounce the Roman Catholic fable. So happy making two popes a saint day. Whatever they call it. What do they call that thing over there? You don't know. All right, let's turn to let's turn to John chapter number one. John chapter number one. You said, Must you be critical of other religions? Yes. Yes, you must. You must. You must. If they're going to criticize the living words of the living God, then those who believe the living words of the living God must stand in opposition to all of that falsehood. All right, we come to the close of our study of the names and titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And last in alphabetical order, but not last in importance, Jesus Christ is the Word. K 
capital W-O-R-D. Let's pray together. Father, help us tonight to enjoy, to appreciate, but most of all to believe what the Bible says about your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word, capital W, was with God, and the Word, capital W, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, what we have in the Bible is the written Word of God. And whenever the Bible refers to the Scriptures, the written Word of God, it renders them in a lowercase w. Word, small w. The Bible is not a person. The Bible are, it contains the words of a person, the person of God. Whenever word refers to a person, the person of God himself, it is a capital W. And so the Holy Bible renders this name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. Now, if you have uh, some of the, some of the modern versions will render this, in the beginning was the Word with a small w, which of course is incorrect. There was no written scripture in the beginning. When God created the heavens and the earth, there was no Bible. When God created the heavens and the earth, there was no book for you to read to tell of those things. The Scripture came later, the word small w, to tell us what the word capital W had done. So, the person was in the beginning. Not not the Scriptures. And the person was with God, and the person was God. So if he's with God and he was God, he is God the Son, who would be God manifest in the flesh. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. See, he's the maker. He's the creator. He is the alpha. He is the beginning. He is the the start of everything, is this one called the Word. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now again, there are men in this world today who have never yet seen their own copy of the Scriptures. There are men today who have... Uh, languages or who belong to tribes who have never had the written word, the scripture, in something they could read or something they could comprehend. And yet this word, capital W, has given life and given truth and given understanding of himself to all men, whether they have ever seen the written word or not. Now keep your place here in John chapter number 1, and let's come to Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter number 1, and see what the Scripture says here beginning at verse number 18. Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You say, what about all these people who don't have a Bible? 
All of these people have a revelation of the Word, capital W, written in their hearts, revealed to their understanding, imprinted by God upon their souls and upon their conscience, so that a holy and righteous God will stand every man, woman, boy, and girl before Him who had any sense about them at all, who had any intellect about them at all, had any understanding at all, they will stand before God without excuse. Because the Word who made all things and the Word who gave life to all things gave sufficient revelation of Himself to all men that they could know His eternal power and His Godhead. They are rendered inexcusable not because of what they didn't know, but because of their refusal to respond to what they did know. You say, well, well, how about people have a Bible? Listen, you've got greater accountability if you've got a Bible because you have greater light and greater understanding. But those of us, look, here tonight, everyone here I trust has a Bible with them. And sitting on your lap is a Bible. And some of you have been saved for years and years and years and years, and you have great insight and great understanding of the Word of God. Others of you are brand new Christians or you're brand new to a Bible teaching church. And when I said this morning, we're going to begin next week to study the book of Ezra, you'd never heard of it. Don't know where to find it. And it'll be your first look at that, at that book when we turn there in a week. Now, just because you have a Bible doesn't mean that you have additional information, though you could, or additional knowledge and understanding, though you could. So God is not going to give a Bible quiz to determine whether or not you get into heaven. And God is not going to give a hundred questions and and, and grade uh, 95 and, and up gets a crown and 94 to 85 gets in by the skin of their teeth. No. Did you respond to the revelation of God when it spoke to your heart and said, you are unrighteous. There is a holy God who made you surrender to Him. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. It is that revelation of the Word written on the human heart, impressed upon the human conscience that brings all men into fair and just judgment before holy God. Now, if you don't believe that, keep reading in Romans. The Bible says, Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Notice, they did not begin in darkness, agreeing with John chapter 1, Romans 1 said they began in light, but they didn't want the light. Notice they did not start in in ignorance, they started in understanding, but they didn't want to give God the glory, and so they walked away from their understanding. Now, have you not found when you're witnessing, one-on-one on the job, or to a group of people in a public place, how many of them preface their arguments against the Bible, how many of them preface their rejection of Jesus Christ by saying, oh yeah, I was taught all that stuff when I was a kid. Oh yeah, I used to believe that stuff and then I wised up or then I went to college or whatever the case might be. Listen, everybody in this world with, with any 
understanding whatsoever will one day stand before God and not a one of them will be able to say, I never knew you existed. I was born an atheist. I lived an atheist. I died an atheist. The Bible said that is not the case. Men may not understand the word but they understand instinctively there is an almighty God above me. And if they would search their heart in honesty and with integrity, they would come to the conclusion, I do not measure up to His glory. Now having done that, continue in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, verse number 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Heathenism, idolatry, is not the starting place of the human race. It is where the human race landed when they fled from God. Read your Bible. There's no idolatry in Genesis chapter 3. There's no idolatry in Genesis 4 and 5. There's no idolatry in Genesis 6. You you are well into human history before anyone dared make an image or an idol. Come on, Adam sinned against God. He didn't deny his existence. Eve sinned against God. She didn't deny his existence. Abel was slain by his brother Cain. Cain was bringing a sacrifice and an offering to God. This business of idolatry is not so ancient that it predates the worship of the true and living God. Uh, you, now, you might go off to college and uh, this, well, you know, back here these ancient people did this, and back here these primitive people did that. In the, in the book of God, that tells the history of the human race from the very first man. Idolatry is not the starting place. Idolatry is the end place of people who are mad at God for kicking them out of the garden, mad at God for drowning their ancestors of flood, mad at God for drowning them in a, in a, or scattering them at the Tower of Babel, mad at God for sending fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no idolatry back there. There's sin. But worshiping beasts and birds and carvings and, and replicas of living things, you don't find that back there in, in, in those former ages. It's where man ends up. It's not where he starts. The Word manifest in the hearts of all that God had made. Now, let's go back to John chapter number 1. The Bible says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 12, but as many as received, or 11, 11, he came into his own, verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, you've had a birth by the will of man. You've had a birth after the flesh. You've had a birth of blood. But if you had a second birth, a new birth, have you been born of God? How's that happen? By receiving Him. 
Many received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, why is that sons of God and not children of God? Because if you'd read your Bible from start to finish, you'd find all throughout the Old Testament that a, a daughter did not inherit. A son inherited. You know what the Lord did? He didn't make you His sons and daughters. He made every one of us His sons so that every one of us could be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, it's, it's great, according to flesh, to have male and female. From the beginning, God made them male and female. That's your first birth. But your second birth is not a, is not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. And those that are born of the Spirit have a spiritual life imparted to them. And that spiritual life reckons you and and assigns you this designation, Son of God. So that whether you were born after the flesh, male or female, you are born after the Spirit, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Every time, every time modern man changes the Bible... To, to satisfy the objections of unsaved people, they end up robbing themselves of great spiritual blessings. And so the Bible says this, and the Word, verse 14, and the Word, see the capital W? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, keep your place there and come all the way back to the book of Genesis. The day when all this trouble began. Genesis chapter number 3. The Word, he's already, he's, He predates Adam. He made all things. He predates Eve. He made all things. The word that made that man made that woman put them in a garden that he had made on an earth that he had made and allowed them access to everything that he had made except one tree that he had made. Correct? The word. He made all things. And so the Bible says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, first thing the devil ever did to man, was cast doubt in the mind of man upon the words of God. Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said of the serpent, We made of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. He didn't say that. Lest ye die. That's not what he said. See, she rewrote the Word of God. She revised the Word of God. She's already on the devil's ground before she ever ate the fruit. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you hide your revision of God's word or your opinion of God's word in your heart, you're you're in a bad way. Now, God said, take a look, go back to chapter 2 just for a minute. Genesis 2 verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Either Adam or his wife or both of them took the word freely out of the word of God. Come on, look at at chapter 3. The woman said, or chapter 3 verse 2. The woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Where's the word freely? 
Now, don't say it wasn't in the best manuscripts. There weren't any manuscripts. She just took it out. And then, back to chapter 2, verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou should not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now look at chapter 3, verse number 3. She said, ye should not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. God didn't say that. She added that to the word of God. And then she said, lest ye die. Well, you might and you might not. That's not what God said. God said, ye shall surely die. So she added to the word, she subtracted from the word, and she altered the word. And now the devil's got her right where he wants her. Because if you try to stand against the wiles of the devil with your opinion, or you're overemphasizing this or underemphasizing that, you're sunk. The sword of the Spirit, that's why I said, take yourself the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we're very careful about, about making sure we don't leave any words out of the Bible or add any words to the Bible or alter a single verse in the Bible because then the devil's going to eat, eat us alive. Now watch, watch what happens. Bible says in verse number four, the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. So the devil, the devil gives his opinion. And the woman agrees with the opinion of the serpent against the Word of God. That's the same temptation today. Well, don't you know that the majority of people... Oh, wow, well, let me throw the Bible away and follow the opinion of the majority of people. Have you seen what the majority opinion is on adultery, on fornication, on lying, on stealing, on perversion? I'm not interested in the majority opinion. I want to know what the Bible says. And so the devil lies to her. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. Now, now stop right there. Genesis 1, day 2, God saw it was good. Day 3, God saw it was good. Day 4, God saw it was good. Day 5, God saw it was good. Day 6, God saw it was good. Day seven, God, and God saw all that he made said it was very good. And he put the man and the woman in the midst of everything he made that was very good. Correct? So there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do they have to gain by eating that tree? They already have the knowledge of all that is good. The only thing they can gain from eating that tree is the knowledge of that which is evil. You know something, if we just, if, if all we had was God, all we would know is good. But because we wanted something other than God or more than God or besides God, look at all we know now. We know tears and we know heartache and we know grief and we know pain and we know disappointment and we know all these things. These white women shouldn't eat that fruit. Have you never plucked that forbidden fruit? Come on. Who among us has never taken our opinion or the opinion of another over the Word of God? We've all done the same thing. You, you can blame her if you want to, but given the same set of circumstances, we've proven we do, we do likewise. And so, the Bible says, The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. Now, do you know, in a, in a perfect world without sin, 
where there's no perversion, there's no lust, there's no crime, there's no dirty thought, there's no impurity. They're bo- they were both naked before they ate that fruit. They just didn't know it. You know, you put two little children in that nursery and, and you're changing the diaper of one and suddenly uh, someone else is changing the diaper of another when you hear a scream and a third child has just uh, fallen and banged their precious little head against something. And so immediately the two nursery workers turn and you know what happened? Those two little toddlers would jump up and they're running about the room playing, not a stitch of clothing on, and there's no blush, there's no shame, there's no embarrassment. Why? Because there is not yet the knowledge and understanding of sin and of evil. You know what that man, you know what that man, that woman got for, for that piece of fruit? They got all the lust and all the dirty websites and all the crummy magazines and all the perverted movies and TV shows and all the rapes and all the molestations and all the adulteries and all the, all of that because they wanted to be as gods. Well, you know what? You don't get to be as gods. You get to be as devils. You had the knowledge of good, you traded it for the knowledge of good and evil. And so now, now what was, what was a glorious state of innocence has become a millennia after millennia struggle. To get unrighteous people to do righteously, to get righteous people to stay righteous, to get young men's eyes to stay in the right place, to get young women to keep the, the proper things covered and all of this. Because somebody just didn't want to go by the Word of God. I'm telling you, young people, you can turn up your nose at the Bible if you want to, and you can count down the days till you don't have to come with mom and dad to listen to this kind of preaching anymore, but there is nothing to be gained from turning away from the Scripture and turning away from the laws of God, but sorrow and trouble. You stay with God, it'll be as good as it can be this side of heaven. And you turn away from God, it's just going to be evil upon evil upon evil upon evil. Just mark her down. So, Bible says, now now watch this. And they sewed themselves, uh, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now later, God would come and make them coats. Because the Lord's idea of what constituted being covered and fallen man's idea of what's constituted being covered were very different. But here's what he said. And you got to admire them. At least they picked fig leaves instead of oak leaves or maple tree leaves. They'd probably been better off with palm fronds. But <laughs> and so the Bible says, you know what the Lord's done? We'll get, we can sidetrack here for just a second. I think the Lord did this, or maybe the fall did. I don't, I don't know which. But... If you live way up north, it's cold up there. And the temptation to run around naked, I would, I would, I would guess, is not as great. Because it's cold. But you get down south, the farther south you go, it's hot. It's humid. It's, and so the temptation is to start pulling off clothes. And see what the Lord gave you in Florida and Arizona and the Caribbean and all those places that He didn't give you in Minnesota. And He gave you sand spurs and stinging nettles 
and thorns and jagged edges on the palm fronds and mosquitoes and every kind of bug you've never seen before in your life. People come down here on vacation and check in a motel room and they call the front desk. There's bugs in the room. Well, of course. Welcome to Florida. If we use enough spray to kill all the bugs, you die and you walked in the room. And Lord just fixed this thing up where no matter how tempted you are to pull off your clothes, it's going to cost you something to do so. Man, I'm out here in this desert. It's burning hot. You better stay covered up. <laughs> Something's going to sting you or cut you or break you. Somehow. Anyway, that's, that's just my theory. That's not, it's not in the Bible. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, I want you to see something that's real interesting. It's not a name. It's not even a title. But the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. Correct? Capital W. So there's no written scripture. Adam and Eve didn't break or violate Exodus 24, verse 10. They didn't, they didn't cross Romans chapter 3, verse 5. There's no written scripture. But guess who shows up in the garden? The voice of the Lord God walking. Now, he's not yet manifest in the flesh, but here come the feet of the voice. And here come the hands of the voice. And here come the eyes and ears of the voice. There's a walking voice in the garden. You know who it is? It's the Word, capital W. Before he was made flesh and before it was written down, here comes the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the Word. Who are you? I'm the voice. The voice slew those lambs in the garden. The voice made coats of skins. The voice put clothes on the man and his wife. You know who that is? That's the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's who came to save the first man, the first woman from death when they had eaten of that, of that tree. Now, come to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Later, or 20, I'm sorry. Later, the Word would be made flesh. He would dwell among us. He would die on the cross. He would rise from the dead. In the morning of His resurrection, everybody's all sad and weepy and confused. And I mean, they didn't believe in a resurrection. The Bible says in verse 11, John 20, verse 11, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener. And guess what happened the morning of Jesus' resurrection? The voice of the Lord is walking in the garden. And she said, without even knowing what she said, Are you the one that came into the garden And save the race the first day we sinned. 
She supposed him to be the gardener, and you know what? He was. He's the very first gardener who planted the very first garden eastward in Eden and visited a man and visited a woman in the garden. He preserved Adam and Eve so the race could be spared until he could die to pay for their sins and then the one who preserved the race died to save the race and they're one and the same. The voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. One the word before he's made flesh, the other the word after he's made flesh. Now, let's go in our Bibles to 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John 1, verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Hey, that word that was from the beginning, John said, we touched him. We saw him with our eyes. We heard him speak with our very own ears. The word walked among them. The Bible says in verse number 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Okay, let's try to, let's try to comprehend this as incomprehensible as it is. When the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the Word, capital W, was manifest in a body of flesh... John said, we saw him, and I'm writing in the word small w to those of you who never saw him. And we touched him, the word capital W, but I'm writing in the word small w to those of you who never touched him. We heard his voice, the voice of the word capital W, and I'm writing in the word small w to those of you who never heard his voice. But if you will believe... As we believed, you may have the same fellowship with Him that we had with Him. You may have the same relationship with Him that we had with Him. Isn't that amazing? Now, let's take it a step farther. There were soldiers in Gethsemane who held their hands handled the word of life. But they do not enjoy this fellowship that we enjoy. There were soldiers at Pilate's judgment hall who handled the word of life. They, they, listen, they put their hands on his face and clutched his beard and pulled it out by the roots. They, they, with their hands, they put a crown of thorns upon his brow. They touched the sacred brow of the Son of God. I've never done that. And yet, I have a better relationship with the word, capital W, than some of those who saw him with their eyes and touched him with their hands and heard him with their ears. Isn't that an amazing thing? Now, let me ask you something. 
And I don't know. I mean, you can argue one way, you can argue the other. It's not said. Did Adam ever see the Lord in the garden? The voice was walking. Ever get a telephone call? Oh, oh, I know who this is. How do you know who it is? You can't see them. You can't touch them. You can't handle them. You're not sitting with them. The voice is all you need to know. That's and 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 when you hear that voice, it's it's mom and all that is mom. It's dad and all that is dad. It's friend and all that is friend. It's bill collector and all that is bill collector. It's it's everything about that person in the voice, without you seeing them. I don't know if Adam saw him or not. I don't know if Eve saw him or not. It'd be a crazy thing, wouldn't it? See those, see those sheep fall to the ground. See the blood shed. See the animals. See their coats removed. And, and, and yet, here's Thomas. If I don't see, if I don't touch, put my finger in the print of the nails, if I don't thrust my hand in his side, and Jesus said to him, Thomas... You've seen me, and you believed. Blessed are they who have not seen, and yet have believed. Amen. You know that a lot of men saw Jesus work miracles when he walked this earth and never believed on him. There's a lot of women who received miracles at the hand of Jesus and never believed on him. You know what the Bible says? If you will believe on the word, capital W, like John believed on him. If you will trust in the word capital W like John trusted in him, you may have the same fellowship with him that the people enjoyed who handled him. Isn't that an amazing thing? Now think about this. In the upper room, they're having what was called the Last Supper. I don't know why they call it the Last Supper. We partake of the Lord's Supper as oft as we will. And where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. Well, I don't see him. Yeah, but Judas saw him. Who's better off? And so in that upper room, the Bible says that John leaned upon Jesus' bosom. And Peter and the others spoke and communed with Jesus Christ as he sat right there in that, in that chair. And you say, oh, I wish I could have been there. Aren't you? Come on, aren't you? Can you not be as close to the heart of Jesus Christ as you desire to be? Can you not speak with Him just as they spoke with Him? See, we read these things in Scripture, but but we so instinctively want to walk by sight and know God after the flesh rather than walk by faith and know God after the Spirit, can you not talk to Him? Can you not speak to Him? Is He not present with you tonight? I think sometimes we're very close to making Jesus Christ Himself an image. We, 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 would, we would not join those that carve a statue of Jesus and pray to it. But how difficult we find it to believe that we are actually speaking to a real person that we cannot see. Read it again. 
Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. With who? Verse 1, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which and our hands have handled the word of life. And John said, you want to get in on this? You can know him as surely as those of us who touched him. You can have fellowship with him in as as real a manner as those of us who saw him with our eyes. He is present, dwelling in the hearts of all that believe upon him. All that we could make that as real as it is. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, same book, 1 John chapter number 5. Now, I'm going to say this again. We've said this oftentimes through the course of our study. You understand that the Greeks to whom the apostles preached in the first days of the church did not believe that Jesus Christ was God. You, You don't understand that. You understand the Jews rejected him and wanted him crucified because they did not believe that he was God. Do you understand that within 50 years of the Lord's death, there were groups of men with Greek philosophy and Jewish unbelief who were opposing Christianity because they did not believe that Jesus Christ was God? Do do you know that? It's, It's recorded in Scripture. As Scripture runs its course, it's recorded in the history of the church. These these Greek philosophers and these unbelieving Jews influenced the Christian and name-only community in Alexandria, Egypt. And those people altered the Bible so that it would not state that Jesus Christ was God. Those Bibles were never accepted by the Christian church though they did have great influence and great sway in the Roman church and later in the liberal anti-God movement came out of Germany in the 17-1800s, out of England in the late 1800s and into America in the early 1900s. From that movement came Bibles that remove many of the statements we've read tonight and on other nights about Jesus being God. For example, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 6. I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. And I hope that you don't see in the book you're reading that people who don't believe Jesus is God have removed portions of the Word of God. Now watch carefully, verse 6. For this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. That's verse 6. Now, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That's the end of verse 7. Now, verse 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. 
in two of 5,400 existing manuscripts containing the New Testament, Gnostics and Jews removed the statement on the Trinity. And there are Bibles today that people unwittingly read and never know 1 John 5, 7 has been removed. Because the people who put out those Bibles put a 7 in front of a portion of verse 6 or verse 8 so you wouldn't know they had taken the Trinity out of your Bible. Now, having said that, let's look at the verse. For there are, praise God, not were, not will be, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, capital W, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Praise the Lord. Now, man is made in the image of God. Correct? Well, is God male or female? No. Is God black, white, yellow, brown? No. Is God tall, short, thin, stocky? No. He is the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And so when God made man, He made him spirit and soul and body. And these three are one. If I die tonight, my spirit returns to God who gave it. My body is laid in the grave. If I am saved... My soul will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm lost, my soul will be in hell. In the resurrection, I will stand before God, spirit and soul and body. That's what a resurrection is. Now let me ask you something. While my, my, while my soul is with Jesus and my spirit is with the Father and my body is in the grave, where am I? I'm in the grave, I'm with the Father, I'm with the Son. If a man is lost, and his spirit is with God, and his soul is in hell, and his body is in the grave, where is he? All three. That's you. And in the resurrection, there you will stand. You, spirit and soul and body, standing before God. The Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, these three are one. The Spirit, the Soul, the Body, these three are one. Man is made in the image of God. God is a trinity. Muslims don't believe that. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that. Mormons don't believe that. Unsaved people of all varieties don't believe that. The Bible, the Word of God, teaches that. Gnostics removed it from their Bibles. Some modern Bibles have removed it because, well, some people don't believe in the Trinity. Now, there are a lot of people who believe in the Trinity that didn't know that somebody told them to get a Bible that didn't have the Trinity in it. And that's, that's unfortunate. Now that someone has told you that some Bibles have the Trinity in it and some Bibles have removed the Trinity, that's something you're going to have to decide uh, what, you, what you want to do with. Now, when I got saved, listen, this, this is what happened to me. When I got saved, it was early December, and the people in the church I was going to, they were all excited, and for Christmas... They bought me a new Schofield Reference Bible. Now, not a Schofield Reference Bible that was new, but a new Schofield Reference Bible. And in the new Schofield Reference Bible, what you would have is you'd have thousands of these little 
straight line brackets where a word had been changed in the Bible by the people who put out the new Schofield Reference Bible. Now, I didn't know anything, I, I, I didn't know a thing, except as I'm reading through this brand new Bible that I got for Christmas, I, 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 I kept asking myself, who told these guys they could change the Bible? Is that right? Should they change the Bible? Why did they change the Bible? And so I went to the pastor, and he said, "Oh well, there's, uh, you'll you'll come, you'll you'll learn. There's there's really." And he didn't want to say, "There's really no Bible that's right," but that's what he believed. But what he told me was something to the effect of, "Well, there's places where the Bible isn't quite right, and we've had to fix it up." Now you call it rebellion, or you can call it skepticism, or you can call it what you want. I just couldn't buy that. I just couldn't buy that anybody had the right to change the Bible. And so we began to investigate, and we found out they'd uh, done all kinds of things to the Bible, made all kinds of changes in the Bible. Now, here's why I'm saying this. The people who got me that Bible were saved people who were excited that a young man wanted to be a Christian and live a Christian life. And they wanted me to read the Bible. I mean, they look, they didn't get me tickets to a movie theater. They didn't buy me coupons for hamburgers. They bought me a Bible. They weren't bad people. They were, they were good people. They were people who cared about me. Until I started disagreeing with them about the Bible that they got me. But they... They cared about me. And I, I, have, I have many times over the years, I have sent them messages of appreciation and a thank you for, for all they did for me. But just because they were Christians and good people and nice people didn't mean I would, could safely follow them when they said, Yea, hath God said? Because I know where that leads. Because I read it in the Bible. Okay, now, there are three, thank the Lord, that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So, the Holy Spirit does some things that the Father and the Word don't do. But He is no different from the Father and the Word. The Word does some things that the Father and the Spirit do not do. But there is no difference between them. The Word was made flesh. The Spirit was never made flesh. But neither of them would ever lie. Neither of them would ever sin. Both of them are love, are joy, are peace, are righteousness. Look, in all of their attributes, they are identical. Though in all of their activities, they are not the same. These three are one. Hallelujah. Now, one more verse. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. I hate to say one more verse to a study about the names of Jesus. Revelation 19. And verse number 10. And I'll tell you what. With that, John 6 and verse 39. Revelation 19.10, John 6.39. 
Now, if Jesus is the Word, capital W, and He is the author of the Word, small w, what would we expect the Word, small w, to be about? Not politics. Jesus Christ. Not religion. Jesus Christ. Not laws and rules and regulations. Jesus Christ. May I say, in case you're visiting from a contemporary modern megachurch, the Bible's not about you. Oh, I thought it was all about me. Well, I know, but it's not. It's about Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.10 says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that of the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything this prophetic book has to say, it has to say about Jesus. Now, it might be Jesus and Rome, or Jesus and Babylon, or Jesus and the church, or Jesus and the devil, or Jesus and the earth, or, but it's all about Jesus. Keep your finger there in, in Revelation. Look at John 5. Jesus said, search the scriptures. What's that? That's the word, small w. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. How about that? Now, Genesis 1 is about creation, but who's the creator? Genesis 3 is about the fall of man, but who shows up when man falls? Genesis 4 tells us the first consequence and effect of the fall of man upon the sons of man, but who's right there in the midst of it? Listen, every page of this book, every page of the word with a small w, is a declaration of truth regarding the word with a capital W. This book is all about Jesus Christ. We'll tell you in the in the class this coming fall, if the Lord be not come, on how to read and study the Bible, this is the key to the whole thing. If you read one chapter of this Bible and didn't see Jesus, you misread it. You need to read it again. It's all about Jesus. Every good king, anything he did right is a picture of Jesus Christ. Anything he did wrong is a picture of life without Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's all about Him. All the types, all the shadows, all the offerings, all the feast days, all the holy days. It's all about Him. Every bit of it Amen. about Jesus Christ. Now, back to Revelation 19. We've got to, got to finish up here. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he that judge and make war. And his eyes... Was a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay, now, 
He's called faithful. There it is, plain to see. Everybody knows it. He's called true. There it is, plain to see. Everybody knows it. He's called King of Kings. There it is, plain to see. Everybody knows it. He's called Lord of Lords. There it is, plain to see. Everybody knows it. But, but, verse 12, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Now let's finish up with this. Do you know why millions will die at Armageddon? you know why millions will die during the time of great tribulation as the wrath and judgments of God are poured out upon the earth? Do you know why, you know why the chosen people of God are left but, but a tiny remnant by the time that Jesus Christ comes back? Because the first means by which he revealed himself is the word of God. And if there's one thing this world does not know, they do not know the word of God. Millions will go to mass and leave not knowing the word of God. Millions will go to church and leave not knowing the Word of God. Millions will fellowship and do not know the Word of God. Millions will call themselves Christian or religious or whatever and do not know the Word of God. Do you understand how few people there are in this world that care to know anything about the Bible? I, I'm telling you, it's tragic. Forget, forget the nations controlled by Islam or Buddhism or Confucius or, or, or animism or, or communism. Just, just take the countries that would call themselves Christian. Now, let's take the country that is looked to around the world as a Christian nation. 400 channels of cable TV and maybe an hour and a half a week of somebody teaching the Bible. If you find a Christian station, it'll be some some guy just making stuff up, words of knowledge and word of prophecy and word of wisdom, or it'll be some some gal on there trying to to do a Dolly Parton impersonation with a you know big old. You know, day glow wig on, and and uh, but I just what did Jesus say to you today? You won't get any Bible teaching. You'll get healers. You'll get prophesiers. You'll get money beggars. You get no, look. Here's what I'm saying. And so people say, "Well, I'll go to church. I'll go to church." There's a hundred churches in West Volusia County. In eighty of them this morning. You could, have, you could have gone and walked out and know no more about the Word of God than you knew when you walked in. And I didn't say they were bad people. I didn't say they weren't saved. The church did not open its doors to teach the Bible. We are living in a day and time when there is a famine in the land for the hearing of the Word of God and the Christians of today are more ignorant of the Bible than unsaved people were two generations ago. 
And by the time, listen, if the church is taken out tonight, who's going to know anything about the Bible? Come on, if all the saved people get caught out tonight, you say, well, then the people will turn to the Bible. And Who's going to tell them to turn to the Bible? All the people who would say turn to the Bible are gone. And then all the woods catch on fire all over the world, and the waters get poisoned all over the world, and armies start marching all over the world, and earthquakes start happening all over the world. You think you're going to have Bible studies? You know what people do when they're hungry? They look for food. That's all they do is look for food. You ever been to a city? Seen the starving drug addicts on the, on the sidewalks? You know what they're not doing? Having Bible study. You know what they are doing? They're searching for something to eat. So I'm telling you, by the time Jesus Christ gets back, you know what his name is? It's a name no man knows. Well, Lord, what is it? What's this name that no man knows? Is it a secret name that you've never revealed? No. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. God helping us. We're going to read this book and study this book and learn this book and teach this book. You say, I just want to know Jesus. This is the testimony of Jesus. This is the revelation of Jesus. The true Jesus, the real Jesus, the Word who was made flesh, He's in here. You want to know Him? You get in here and find out who He is, what He thinks, what He wants what he stands for, what he's against, what he disapproves of, it's right here. I'm telling you, I don't know that the rapture will be soon. I, I hope it is. I believe it will be, but I don't know that. But the great evidence that this thing is about to come to a close is not a war here or a famine there or a pestilence here or an earthquake there. The great sign this thing is coming to a close is even the Protestant fundamental conservative churches are not teaching the Word of God. And our churches are full of people who don't know the Word of God. Do you know Him? Do you know it? Thank God for the Word. Capital W, small w. I'm so glad I got the Bible so I can know the author of the Bible. Jesus. That's just one name. But, oh, it takes in so much. Amen. Father, I pray you'd help us to hunger and thirst for your words, these scriptures. Lord, to search them, to study them, to read them, to believe them, to feed on them, to meditate on them. Lord, thank you for for a church full of people that want to know Jesus. But, Lord, we sure see what's happened in our nation as people have tried to know Jesus without knowing the Bible. Help us, Lord. Help us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.